When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So I used the savings from switching to Progressive 30 years ago to buy tickets to the championship game. You know, between those two teams that didn't exist 30 years ago? Yeah, I'm a big Alaska Palm Trees fan. Which is a team now, in the future? So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Hello and welcome into another episode of Another Carolina Podcast. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler. You can hear me weekdays from 12 to 1 on Home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. And with me, as always, Wes Mitchell and Chris Clark of Gamecock Central. You know them, you love them, and we had to do this show a little bit earlier for you guys because today is the start of spring practice. So for many, the start of football season. For some people, football season never really ends. Some people wait till the summer, but I feel like a lot of people in Columbia start to allow themselves to get excited about football as soon as the spring. And you guys actually got to go out and watch the first 15 minutes of practice this morning, of the first spring practice of the year, the first football action that we have seen. And I can only imagine, Chris, that it was just the most riveting (laughs) and revealing 15 minutes of football that you've ever witnessed with your human eyes. Is that fair to say? Yes, it is, Pearson. Uh, no, I mean we. we uh, that's typically what we get. First fifteen minutes, we, in all likelihood, will not see a full, quote unquote, full spring practice until the spring game on April sixth. Um, but what we do see, we see a little stretching, warm ups, um, in the in- indoor facility, and then take us out to the practice fields for the first fifteen minutes. So that's three periods of practice. Um, typically, one of them special teams, which was the case today. Um, so saw the field goal kickers and some other guys are doing some other things at that time. Really, the quarterbacks just sort of threw into the nets the entire time, so we didn't see any one-on-ones or anything like that. But uh, we did get a little peek at uh, presumably what is right now a very fluid offensive and defensive depth chart. Uh, in other words, they, they sort of rolled out their first team unit and worked on some inside running drills. They ran out the defensive unit just to – get some alignments going so we're able to get sort of a, a feel for those things or confirm uh maybe some of what we thought and how did the net really throwing the go <laughs> the net throwing was great what were guys accurate were they missing the whole thing were they getting it right no, in the hole? nobody missed the whole thing okay, uh pretty accurate for the most part um you know watching uh got first look at ryan helinski doing that uh jake bentley jay eric to carry on joiner they all did some I guess you could say some good things as far as good things thrown into the net are concerned. How did Helensky look physically? I mean, he's big a big kid. guy. Yeah, did, he, mean, did he look every bit of what he was billed to look? Yeah, in terms of size. And, I mean, we, we had a chance this summer to, to watch him, uh, to, to see him this summer in person. And uh, he's a big kid. You know, he's got, got really good size on him. He's filled out and, so, um, and, and has a good arm. So, I mean, really couldn't tell much. I mean, um, I think in terms of if anyone asks us probably at any point this spring how, how Helensky's progressing, the answer is probably going to be, you know, he looks pretty good out there in shorts, you know. But the, eventually they'll get the pads on here in a couple of days, throw some live bullets at him, 
and see how he looks in. I'm sure that'll give the staff a better sense for, for where he's at. But he's not one of those listed at 6'4", 230, and he comes in and he's 6'2", and he's like a buck 90? <laughs> no. Okay. No, he's got the size. Um, the strangest listing was really Zach Pickens being like underbilled. I thought mm-hmm. he's listed at 6'3", and you know he's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, really. So I don't know what was up with that. But no, Helensky's every bit his his size, I think. What did you see this morning, Wes? Yeah, similar things. I, uh, Colin Taylor, who writes for us, was out there as well, and he actually made the comment that you know, Helensky physically kind of looks like Jake Bentley. Um, so if people are wondering sort of like a size comparison, um, pretty close, yeah, right? Yeah, pretty close. You know, yeah. I, I think. And even on, on film, I, I think you look at Helensky, um, doesn't look exactly like Jake Bentley, but there are some similar similarities from their skill set, I think. Um, uh, other than that, you know, it's, it's so hard to get a feel for things. And the spring practices, um, like, I was on a radio show and they asked me, you know, what's the excitement level like for spring practice this year compared to other years? And I was like, you know what? They kind of just start to run together. Um, You know, they're not – the first 15 minutes, they're clearly not out there to try to show us everything. Um, But I I do – I like to see the newcomers. uh, You know, I think everybody wanted to hear about Zach Pickens. Everybody, obviously, Helensky's going to be a a conversation piece. Um, He always is, I think, so – you know that was good to see, and uh, we'll we'll see where it goes from here. I, I don't even know when our next um, open availability is, or if you know off the top of your head, Chris. But um, you know the other interesting thing for me about spring is that we actually get to hear from the assistant coaches as well. So um, you know we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, Travis Robinson, defense coordinator, will speak, and th- you know those guys don't talk during the regular season. So I always think it's interesting to hear from the various assistant coaches about their thoughts on their position groups yeah it's kind of unfortunate i guess for us in the media that we don't get to hear from the assistants more often because it is interesting and it's a different kind of uh kind of insight i I wonder if we should expect the assistants will be peppered with questions like will muschamp was in his 45 minute opening (laughs) press conference i think longer than every other will muschamp press conference combined was that 45 minutes uh for yesterday so that'll be interesting guys i I think maybe a good way to describe what you do is y'all are like professional not overreactors I don't know if it's Good appropriate term. reactions or maybe even underreacting sometimes. But, uh, you know, the reality is we, we can't learn a lot from spring. We're not going to know what the depth chart is. We're not going to know who the starting quarterback is, who the starting or backup running back is. We're not going to know all the secondary questions until probably, like, the first game. Because, I mean, that's just how these things go. And then Will Muschamp especially keeps things close to the vest. So what do you – how do you two approach – spring and and what do you try to glean if anything or are you just like okay yeah they're just gonna go out there and sweat and like get some cardio and then we'll find out in the summer I, I mean I look at the spring as a little bit more of a of a developmental time in terms of you know you, you maybe get a little bit better of a sense for guys who are early enrollees on campus you know how are they progressing to where when they get to the finish line of spring and enter the summer program uh, the story's not completely written on on where they are, but the the staff and and maybe us in the course of our job can sort of learn, um, you know, if they have a better if they have a good chance of helping yet, could sort of confirm some things. Um, I think certainly p- some positional battles really start that will probably continue into preseason. Um, and and you made a good point with that, like, you know, even starting running back or how the running back rotation is going to shake out. I think, um, we maybe get some sense of that, but that's probably not going to be finalized. You know, the backup quarterback situation, I don't really know if that'll be finalized at the end of spring. But I think it's just an opportunity to see sort of how guys have grown from last season, 
um, who can step into some certain spots. I mean, USC, you know, for example, you lose Zach Bailey, you lose Dennis Daly. So what's that movement look like um, in terms of guys that can step in there? So I, I think it, you, you can't take a great deal away from it because you still got an entire summer offseason program and then you got preseason. Um, but you can begin to learn a little bit more about the composition of the team. Wes, how do you approach the spring as a sports reporter? I think it's almost uh, more about what can we pick up from various people, um, you know, what we're hearing type stuff as opposed to what we're going to see because we're not going to see a whole lot, frankly. Um, but, you know, sort of to, to Chris's point, I think a lot of times I, I look for and I ask about the guys that maybe are going to possibly be counted on but that have not been, like, the guy at their position previously. Um I think we know we know what you're going to get out of Donnell Stanley. We you know what you're going to get out of DJ Wanham, TJ Brunson, um, guys like that. The questions to me are always like, okay, how is, how is a Hank Manos, you know, progressing? How is a Josh Van progressing? Um, you know, who who can step up at that other <coughs> guard spot? Assuming that um, you know Donnell is one guard, and assuming that Zarius Hutcherson plays offensive tackle, you know, you need somebody to step up there. How's the center battle looking? I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's about what guys are we hearing have sort of taken that next step. And even even then, a, a big spring doesn't always get transferred over to the fall. So you can put yourself in a spot of looking kind of dumb sometimes because a guy can have a huge spring. We've seen it. I mean, I every, so we could probably do a whole podcast. We may yeah. even have to do that at some point over the, the spring, course of spring practice. <laughs> yeah, who are, who, are the, who are the spring heroes that ended up absolutely doing Remember nothing? Remember Tucky Muhammad? Yeah, had was a, maybe that was Lou Holtz days, right? Yeah, that's Lou Holtz days, but he may be like the goat of spring practice, like performers. I mean, it, it happens, and then yeah. uh, I think we just stumbled onto either a, a good full podcast or a good segment that we're going to have to do here in the coming yeah. weeks. D'Angelo yeah. Smith, yeah, oh, Didi, Didi um, Smith is a great one. Yeah, so you know that that stuff plays a part, and um, then the other thing is. You know, you don't you want to avoid all injuries as well. Uh, that, that's yeah. a part of Add it. Add on the corn. Yes, uh, poor guy. Last play oh. of the spring yeah. game. Well, I mean, I think that's why it was the last play. I don't think it was actually like. I think it was the scripted last play. They did I, sort I think, of call I think, it. I think, I think they that, called it after they? that. Yeah, but it was it was yeah. late. It was late fourth in the game. quarter. Yeah, it, was it was like. like final. Spurrier had seen enough at that point. Yeah, yeah. It was so unfortunate. That's like <laughs> uh, literally the worst case scenario. And he was a guy that that you know had upside and people were excited about. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he fin- he finished his the year before he had finished on a high note. I feel like and then yeah. he had a pretty good spring. Like I remember then, that off season, I spent a lot of time uh, playing NCAA football, and he was like my top receiver in my <laughs> South Carolina dynasty. There you go. Did you win the national title? Oh, I'm sure I did. Yeah. And if I didn't, I'm sure I quit and went back to my yeah, last save. Yeah, always yeah. Yeah. restart. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but nah, I I don't know. I I think I've said all I need to say on that. I completely lost my train of thought. If I'm just being Sorry, honest, I took it off but, the rails. And no, no, that's, that's great. This is the <clears throat> this is the off the rails podcast here. So yes. so with that being said, you know what we can actually learn is maybe a little bit limited, but that doesn't keep us and other people from having interesting questions. So I, I wanted to go through a couple of the biggest storylines that may start to, uh, I guess, develop and take shape here in the spring. Mm-hmm. We're, we're sort of acknowledging that nothing will shake out for sure until the summer or the fall, but at least some interesting, again, storylines that could take shape here. So I asked you guys to each come up with two storylines for the spring because one wasn't enough and three is entirely too many. So I asked you to each come up with two storylines. So uh, do you all want to, like, fight for it or i can like snap a pool cue in half and just to see who goes first <laughs> like the rock joker. paper scissors no, yeah exactly we need to do that. 
Start with the executive producer. You I can go first. But no, and I the other thing I I forgot to say that sort of ties into this. Do you, if you're a coach, you know, as we get into these storylines, do do you even want for this stuff to be settled right now? I mean, no, because I think I think that means I think that's bad news for whoever is on the like negative end the of things end. being settled. Yeah, yeah, and you want the guys to keep pushing through the summer, thinking yeah, sure. they're going to get. A so first we're hoping team spot. that these things aren't settled, but just I guess uh, maybe position battles or you know dynamics or mm-hmm. you know we have a couple of new assistant coaches that are being integrated into the staff, just sort of things that will start to materialize that we'll have more information on at the end of spring than we did at the beginning of spring. Yeah, and uh, that's a great segue. One of mine was. What impact do the new coaches make? Because, you know, you look, obviously, Thomas Brown at running backs, and really you have three spots because of Bobby Bentley moving to tight ends. Um, you know, does that change the dynamic there at all? And then, of, of course, with John Scott, uh, D-line coach, and Muschamp described in great detail on Tuesday which guys he has. Um, great detail. Like, <laughs> And he he gives the most detail for like football oriented questions like that, and then you know ask him some things is like three words, but then right. you ask him about a f- true football question, and you get a one minute answer about well four down linemen and three down linemen and and stuff like that. But yeah, very Belichickian of him, which which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and and you can learn something when you know when he talks about that stuff. Yeah. But you know what impact do those guys make? Uh, how much impact can a running backs coach make? Because that is a position that, to me, a lot of it is about natural talent. But, um, you know, does a new voice in the room potentially help? Is it a fresh start for some guys? Um, and then getting into the particular players, uh, you know, Rico Daddle is, is not practicing right now either, at least not in a full role. So, that opens up the door for a Deshaun Fenwick to get a bunch of reps. A.J. Turner, we know, is working on defense for the mm-hmm. first five um, practices, which is something we probably need to talk about later on because that's a unique plan, I think. Um, but, yeah, so can a Deshaun Fenwick, Levante Valentine step in at that position? You never want uh, guys to be hurt, but it, it oftentimes, especially in the spring, almost seems to work out better when guys are hurt. Like, again, I don't wish Jake Bentley were hurt, but we know kind of what Jake Bentley can do. He doesn't really need to go through another spring. He has a firm grasp on the playbook. He, or There's certainly things that he can improve, but it's not like spring is going to make a big difference for him. I almost wish that this was just an opportunity for to carry on Joyner and and Ryan Holinsky to basically duke it out for, I guess, that backup spot. Because that those are, I think, the valuable reps in the spring more than the starters kind of going through what they already know. Yeah, and I think we'll see that a lot. I mean, Muschamp mentioned that he's going to get to carry on and Holinsky and, and Jay Urich are all going to take some first-team reps because that's important for their development. And so I think, as you know, Jake's going to take some first-team reps. He'll play in the spring game probably, you know, things of that nature. But for a guy like him and, you know, Brian Edwards, you know, they're, they're going to get some young guys in, particularly at spots where you need to develop some depth or develop a backup like they have with situation with quarterback, running backs, um, you know, the running back's a little bit different from those other ones because they, they probably just legitimately don't know. I mean, by all accounts, it's just an open competition, you know, trying to find out. I mean, Rico's the guy who you could you could argue is the most proven and has, has been around the longest, has done it the most, has the most experience. But uh, if Mon Denson or Deshaun Fenwick or whoever else uh, does a better job throughout the spring, summer, and preseason – uh, and then depending on what happens in the games, you know, one of those guys might have a shot too. Before we move on to your first intriguing storyline of the spring, I want to ask you one question since you mentioned the assistant coaches, how they, I guess, sort of 
initially start to interact with the players and what that means for some of this guy specifically. I'll ask you of the three new assistants, including Bobby Bentley moving over to tight ends coach, who are you most excited to talk to slash hear from since we get to hear from the assistants in the spring? Uh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to say Thomas Brown just because I, I feel like the defensive line, there there's guys there. Like I, I feel – you know, it's, it's almost weird to say. I feel pretty good about the guys they have to work with on the defense line. They've sort of changed that position around. They've upgraded it over the last three years. Running back is a question with this team, I think. And A, you know, is it going to be some of the same guys playing? Uh, you know, or can a Deshaun Fenwick, Levante Valentine sort of step in there? And I'm assuming he's going to say it's kind of a clean slate. You know, everybody, whether whether you admit it or not as a coach, if the same coach has been there and the same guys are coming in or coming back and have started, you go into the spring and those guys are pretty much your starters um, unless a new guy just blows everybody away. But I wonder the dynamics of having a brand-new coach, a true clean slate. Everybody's got to re-earn their spot. And um, I- I'll be curious to see just his thoughts on the position because he was very open about saying this position needs to have better production. And I think there is still there's talent. We've seen flashes at times, but um, what needs to happen, what can happen to make that position uh, take that next step? Because if you're going to be really good and consistent on offense, you have to be pretty good. You really need to be really good mm-hmm. at running back. If you look at the really good, like watching the college football playoffs and the you know the New Year's Day bowls and stuff, watch all those teams. They all had pretty good a lot of them had like elite running backs and more than one so I, I think that's a position we've talked about upgrading it through recruiting but the other side of that is can you get a little bit more out of that position so I, I'm curious to see what Thomas Brown has to say I'm fascinated by that for a couple of reasons because we talked about it on this podcast and I talked about it on my local show the reception to Thomas Brown the level of excitement of even just casual fans at that hiring was mm-hmm. Tremendous. And it was weird because we don't normally see that for assistance. And as you mentioned earlier, running back, I don't think is overly a position that benefits from coaching. It's just like, are you a good running back? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> or no. Okay, we got to we got to work on that. So it, it's interesting to me that the assistant coach that has the most sort of excitement around him is a guy that, you know, maybe has like the least potential to impact his decision with with sort of coaching decisions and coaching moves and you know philosophical things so, so that is that's one to watch but again i continue to be fascinated by the, the buzz around this guy so certainly excited to hear i don't know when we uh i don't know off the top of my head when we get to hear from him but um we'll certainly have that for you yeah. on 107.5 the game and plenty of recap for you here on another carolina podcast chris what's your first storyline you're watching for this spring? yeah that would be a, a good segue i mean my, mine is how how the running back room is going to shake out um and and i think we start to you know, I don't think we'll have an answer, especially in terms of one through three, one through four, you know, how it's going to shake out. We may have a, a better sense of maybe the starter, but um, mine, mine would be how that running back room is going to shake out. And, you know, like Wes alluded to, I mean, Thomas Brown sort of made it known, whether it was in his public comments uh, the first time he spoke with the media or even some other things we've heard. I think he sort of made it known that he, he doesn't think too much of how the running backs have performed. Uh, during their Which I careers. appreciate that honesty, by the yeah. way. Yeah, and and I mean, he even came out and said, you know, he feels like the group has underachieved so far, and um, so you know, I I think to sort of go back to your question a little bit uh, as to why fans are so excited, I think a Thomas Brown is a guy that some fans remember. Um, you know, he gave Carolina a lot of problems as a Georgia running back. Uh, he had one really really good game one year against him, um, and 
he the guys he has coached. You know, when you bring in a guy who has seen Melvin Gordon and has seen Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, um, and has that resume. All those guys are obviously really talented, even if Thomas Brown wasn't in the equation. But when he has that resume and sort of that gives you a better sense of a running backs coach knowing what really good looks like. So you go out and look for those traits in recruiting. I think they the fans looked at the pedigree in recruiting and some of the things he's been able to do. Really, Miami's the only place he really got entrenched. You know, he, he moved around a decent amount as he continued climbing the coaching ladder. And then he got to Miami for, what, three years and then earned himself an OC title. It did some really good things on the recruiting trail there. And so um, I think going back to what we said earlier about needing to upgrade through recruiting, I think fans look at Thomas Brown and think, okay, this, this is the ticket. This is the ticket to go land a big-time running back recruit. So they will have to solve it that way, but they also are going to have to squeeze more production out of the guys they got on campus. Um, and so the thought is, you know, that he may be able to do that. Maybe that different voice will be able to do that. So – it's, it's definitely, I think you could even say, definitely out of the offense, that's the thing that they're missing, but probably just in general, because I don't know that you can count injuries. How, I mean, how much they played into the defense w- was tremendous last year with what they faced on injuries. I think miss a big-time running back's the number one thing this team's been missing if and you take injuries out of the equation. Not only, I think, is it interesting because the productivity of the running back position is, is – um, I guess, such a dire need for this Carolina team. But even though we prefaced all this by saying nothing's going to be resolved in the spring, I think the running back conversation, the running back room, has a chance to get way, way, way more complicated this spring because, as you mentioned, A.J. Turner is going to start spring working on the defensive side of the ball. Rico's out. Tyson's gone. So from last year, it's Mondenson and then a huge opportunity for those young guys, for Levante Valentine and for Deshaun Fenwick, to come in and get a lot of the reps. And, you know, it's it's not like preseason fall camp kind of reps, but at least getting to work with the playbook, and especially for Valentine, because Fimlick has at least, you know, been around, at least, you know, if not on the field, at least has had the playbook in his hands. Uh, so for Valentine to get on the field, to get with the playbook, and to to be repping a lot, even if he's repping with the threes, that's a lot better than repping with, you know, like the sixth team, which was the option, um, you know, before Tyson decided to leave and AJ moved to defense and Rico got hurt and all those things. So this is a huge opportunity for those two young guys, especially. I think those are the two that you circle and say, could they really make a dent in this? And the spring's really their best opportunity with all the guys in front of them either out or playing defense. Sure. I mean, Fenwick's a guy that he played a little last year. I mean, first game of his career, rushed for 100 yards, now was the competition elite. No, but but he rushed for 100 yards, and so he's got potential. They know he's got potential. Levante Valentine, the staff knows he's fast, but they don't know much other than that. Next and, Jarvis Giles? Right. <laughs> <Ooh>. Well, <laughs> let's hope not. Faster than Jarvis Giles, though. Oh, yeah? I mean, we know that for sure. I he's mean, elite speedster. speed. Elite speed, no doubt. So how does that translate? I don't know. And then Kevin Harris is, is another you know newcomer. So, um, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll have a, a at least a little bit of a better sense getting these guys some reps, and I imagine some of them will get some opportunities with the ones, like you said. What's your number two storyline for the spring, Wesley? Mine is just going to be the newcomers in general, but, you know, who can make an impact, who can make a quick impact, but specifically it's got to be Zach Pickens and Ryan Alinsky. I, I think that's what all the fans want to hear about. That's uh, We'll probably get those questions uh, a lot, and – um you know, I think with Pickens, the the, the answer is, is pretty immediate. You know, I think he's going to make an impact pretty quickly. He uh, looked good physically today, the little bit we did get to see. Um, Helensky, it'll be tougher for him to sort of make that impact, but I, I think just having him on campus, um, 
like you said, Pearson, is all, it, it's always a positive for these guys to get out there and get reps and, and start to learn. And uh, to me, spring is a time to go make mistakes without the pressure of, of a game or even getting ready for a game. You know, you go make mistakes and learn from them. And, uh, you know, that'll be good for the, the quarterbacks. But I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see some of these other guys too. I, I think the, the guy we're not talking about that's a newcomer that maybe should be talked about is Joe Anderson. I, I think any other year, if South Carolina had gone into Tennessee and gotten a four-star defensive lineman um, that a bunch of other really big-time programs wanted, he would be one of the guys we've been talking about a lot. But we really don't talk about Joe Anderson much at all. And uh, he he looks great physically. Big kid. Um, he's already cut some, some baby fat, I think, and, and looks good physically. So um, he's another guy, I, I think, you, when you talk about the D-line and the future of the D-line, that um, – you know, I think plays a role maybe sooner rather than later. So, I, you know, Pickens and Helensky, obviously, but I'm curious to see these other guys as well. And for most of the young guys, I guess Pickens is an interesting case where it's just, you know, plug him in. Maybe he's not going to be a starter. Maybe he's not going to be playing 60 snaps a game right off the bat, but he's going to be figuring a lot into the defensive game plan where Helensky, Anderson, some of these other guys have a little bit more work to do. So I think spring is, I don't want to say it's more important for them, but it's sort of a a different conversation because like I said Pickens is going to come in and he's athletic enough and he knows what to do and he's going to play but the, for the rest of these guys it's going to be a little bit more of an uphill battle so I wonder if that puts more pressure on Pickens to come in and show that he is exactly what we all expect him to be or if that's more pressure on the young guys to break into the two deep come summer come fall you know I I think with with Pickens it's not a situation where you feel like even though he was he was pretty hyped coming out deservedly so in recruiting you know he, he it's not like a, a clowny situation where he is mm-hmm. the number one prospect in the country even though Pickens was number nine you know is where he ended up in the rivals rankings but this is not a guy where you say he's absolutely got to come in and start he's going to rack up double digit, digit sacks and year ones make a bunch of game changing plays um you know because he's going to play a different role I mean clowny and edge rusher type guy one of the most explosive players we've ever seen at the college level and Pickens is going to be a guy who will play inside, he'll play outside some, you know, situationally. He's a different type of player. So I don't think there's a great deal of pressure on him other than, you know, they do need him to contribute, and, and I think he certainly has got the skill set to do it. I don't know that he feels pressure either. No. Like he's just kind of even uh, kill, even kill, but laid back. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, hilarious kid. You, you yeah. know, early on in recruiting interviews, he he didn't say anything. So I didn't realize what a big personality he had until after he committed. He kind of opened up a little bit and got a little more comfortable, stuff like that. So um, I, I don't know that he feels it, but uh, Colin made fun of me because he said this was not, like, a hot take, I guess. But um, I'm going to ask you all. Game one this year, starting lineups are announced. Is Zach Pickens a starter? I think we all know if he's healthy, he's going to play, contribute, blah, blah, blah. Is Zach Pickens a starter game one this year? I say no. If everyone's healthy, mm. I say no. I was kind of thinking no, too. I'm going to say use yes. Them situationally. And what personnel package are they in to start? Right. That's, I, that that's, depends, too. That's also true. You know? And also, whoever's listed as a starter isn't necessarily who's going to start. You know, They can say, right. if we're starting in this formation, it's going to be this guy, but they can come out in a different, you know, like you said, different sub package. Four down linemen. The defensive end spot that that Keir Thomas, um, Dante Sawyer, those guys have played the last few years. 
See, and I, as I'm saying it, Enig Barre maybe has the best chance. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say happening. I was yeah. going to say it's DJ Wanham, Enig Barre on the ends. If you're talking, I was going to say yeah, with, with Enig Barre moving out from tackle to end, I feel like yeah. they're doing that so that they don't have to start picking. So they don't feel the pressure to have to start him. Mm-hmm. And then inside, Kobe Smith and Ken Law. Or Kier and Kinlaw. Or Kier and Kinlaw. Depending on where. See, Kier, yeah. the, that's the other thing. Where is Kier Thomas? Yeah. We've seen him play everywhere. Right. Um, Played some in last year. I think more naturally a tackle. Yeah, but he, he doesn't have necessarily tackle size. Size, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. T- to me, and played Kier, pretty well at end when I think he was there last year. Yeah, and Kier is more of a end in a three-man front, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But they've, had, they've played him at end in a four-man front, more out of... Need. Necessity, yeah. yeah, but um, you know, so and that that again goes back to y'all's point of what formation are they in. But I, I think Pickens is a guy from a versatility standpoint can play end in your four man, can play end in your three man, and can play inside in yeah, your I mean, four man. He can play three technique defensive tackle, you yeah. know. I mean, he's yeah, we'll probably see some of that. So, does, does Pickens get a start before the end of the year? Definitely. 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 I just don't know. I just don't know. I would lean one. toward yeah on that. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, well, also, then you factor in people are going to be banged up and stuff yeah, as well. Sure. So. And and he's, you know, a five star defensive end for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Chris, what's your final exciting uh, spring story? Yeah, the line? backup quarterback situation, I think, is it is has more intrigue this year because, you know, last spring, I think we all looked at it and said, okay, it's Jake Bentley, and then you've got a fifth year senior, Michael Skarnecchia, behind him. He's going to be the backup. There's really not much drama to it. Um, and I don't want to say it's dramatic this spring, but there's more of a question. And, you know, Will Muschamp said on Tuesday when he was asked if he would like to know who his backup is entering the, exiting the spring, he said, yeah, he would like to. Um, and look, Will Muschamp obviously knows a lot more about his team than I do and especially knows how he would like his team to be structured and the answers he would like to have. I'm sure that is the case. I'm just more inclined to believe that you know, we're still not going to have, still not going to know for sure after the spring who the backup is. And a couple reasons for that. Number one, you know, I'm not sure that one guy is going to really, really separate himself at the end of the spring. That could be the case. It would not be, not be super surprising if one of the guys behind Jake Bentley did create some terms, some type of separation in terms of just how productive he's been during the spring, how he looks in the spring game, et cetera. Um, but, I think with with Joyner being on the roster, you know, th- there is a bit of a feeling that maybe they'd like to work him in somehow regardless. You know, I mean, is is he too – can he do something for you from the quarterback position with his unique skill set to where you feel like you want to try to work him into the game plan in certain games, maybe not every game, um, regardless? And so if that's the case, do you consider him the backup quarterback or do you consider him more of a situational quarterback? Um, and then you've also got how does Helensky progress, how does Europe progress. Um, so I'm more inclined to think that we're going to need to – it's going to go into the summer and into preseason as well just to be able to make sort of that final call. Because, I mean, Helensky could look great, but at the end of the day, he's never played in a college football game. And Joyner and Europe have been very limited in that. Yeah, so that's, that's always I think going to be that aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, when you're projecting the depth chart, especially early in the season, I feel like experience is going to be a significant edge because no matter how good you look in practice, it's mm-hmm. it's different. Sure. And, and look, Makes it's not difference. like it, Joyner played a, a tiny, tiny bit last year. But again, like I said earlier, it's about you know how much time have you had the, with the playbook, and that's a benefit for a lot of guys, especially at the quarterback position. Maybe I mean probably more than any other position on the field. Uh, but let me do it like this: so the first game of the season, 
Who is the backup quarterback for South Carolina? Not by the end of the season, because Helensky could very well throw himself into there if you don't think that he's necessarily going to be right away. We'll, we'll, let's, I'm going to count to three, and let's all say who we think the backup quarterback is going to be for game one at the same time. Hold on. Give me one second. I'm going to go three, two, one, and then we'll say it. Okay. Everybody got theirs? You got it? Yeah. Three, <laughs> two, one. Carry on Joyner. What did you say, Chris? Joyner. Yeah, both said Joyner? Yeah. Over Helensky. Just because of what I said, the, the experience edge. Having yeah. played a little bit, having had more time with the playbook. Yeah. I think that's it. And did you hear what he said, though? Yeah. I, I, th- I think I did. Helensky, <laughs> let's go. Actually, just put Johnny Dixon at quarterback. Yeah. And let him go. <laughs> um, No, I mean, I, I just... I. I lean towards jo- saying Joiner, especially that early in the season, just because I feel like, you know, that they could work Joiner into the game plan somehow. So, I, I mean, I feel like if you're working a second quarterback in, you sort of consider him the backup. You know? Yeah. Um, but would it be some huge shock if it's Zelensky? It would no. Not be. It would not be to no. me. No. By the end of the year, I could definitely see it being Zelensky. I, I thought it was interesting today. You know, there's – not a whole lot we can say that sentence about um, for today, yeah. but um, they worked Urich and Joiner in with the second team. Yeah. Um, so not like third team. So they had first team out there. It was Jake Bentley, obviously. Then they had the second team out there, and within the confines of the second team, they worked in Joiner and Urich. Mm-hmm. And then when the third team came out, they worked in Malinsky. So yep. I-, I thought that that was interesting there as far as where things are right now. But, again, I, I think, to your point, Pearson, this time of year, um, spring practice, a lot of it is just about, all right, what order are we putting guys out there? Sometimes it, it comes down to just seniority. If, mm-hmm. it, if it's an open position where a guy is not a returning starter, the first guy out there, a lot of times, is just the, the older guy, basically. Yep. So let me ask it to you like this, then, just to, to frame it a little bit differently. So I, I think I don't think there's any question that Helensky is – the most talented guy, at least of the potential backups, maybe of the entire quarterback room, just his raw ability, and I think has a lot of upside, especially as a pro-style passer, because he's big, because he's got a big arm, because he's you know a pretty accurate dude, especially for a young player, and has succeeded already in like a very competitive level of high school football. But you know, we see this offense; they they like to go up tempo. Even though Jake Bentley's not a super athlete by any stretch, they still run you know some read option stuff, some stuff that commands Jake Bentley keep the ball sometimes. And, you know, for Helensky, again, that's just like one other thing to get used to. But do you think for how this offense operates, at least as of last year, and assuming it's not going to change dramatically going into this year, do you think that on Joyner is a better fit? Because he can, I think, be a more viable option running the ball and give you a little bit more in terms of tempo, in terms of the running threat than what Helensky's going to offer. I mean, I think you tailor the offense to what your guys can do. But, um... but Jake Bentley's not a read option guy, and they still run it a fair amount. I mean, they, they do run it some. I mean, Bentley Bentley is is maybe underrated athletically a little bit. I think. I think. I, so. I, I think so. I mean, he, he, in terms of his mobility, he's not Connor Shaw or Stephen Garcia. No, no, but he is. He is an adept scrambler. He can get himself out of trouble. He's like Dylan Thompson. He level, makes some I'd good say. plays on the run. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen that for sure. Um, and Helensky is not going to be that mobile, right. really. Um, I think anytime if you have a guy who's a true dual threat, and I'm talking true dual threat, not he's a better runner, not he's a better passer, and he can run a little bit. But if you have a guy who's a true dual threat, you won't have any offense. I tell you that. I don't care what he's running. You know, I don't care if you're running option, if you're running 
you know, spread what you name it. You name your your offensive philosophy. I think having a dual threat is always better. But it comes down to you know who's the guy. Is he accurate with the football? Is he making the best decisions? That's something Will Muschamp talked about on Tuesday that they'll be looking at his decision making. You know, so that that's the most important thing to me. And so that's going to be the difference in Holinsky or Joiner or anybody else. See, I I think the RPO game has evened it out for the non for the for the pro style quarterbacks basically because you now, still have the running option yeah, without well, having to run it yourself it, exactly yeah. like yeah. you're running a zone read but instead it used to be you'd run a zone read and it's either a handoff to the running back or the quarterback's keeping the ball now you're basically extending the handoff into a slant to your receiver basically like that's that's their version of the zone read now you know we've seen the true zone read where Bentley keeps it a couple times a game, but for the most part, you're freezing a linebacker or making a linebacker wrong by having the option to throw the slant behind him. Or in, you know, I mean, they they take all these different concepts now and add it in there. But the the simple just base RPO where you're seeing zone read with a slant behind it, um, <clears throat> you're you're almost fixing the fact that you previously needed to have a more dual-threat quarterback to do this stuff. Now, you know, with that slant behind it, you're given another option, but without having to run the football, I think. And they've got a lot. I mean, they have a lot of quarterback runs. And when I say a lot of quarterback runs, it's nothing, like, mind-boggling. It's just simple stuff that works. Um, they have a lot of quarterback runs in the playbook that we haven't even seen as much with Jake Bentley. And so – Again, that that's why there's this layer of intrigue of the staff thinking that you know Joiner's got a chance to help with his specific skill set, and they've got some different quarterback runs, and I, you know stuff that we've seen at Ole Miss um, when Dan Warner was there, stuff that. Uh, that and again, Jamie like Shea Patterson ran. also wasn't like a like a all star track athlete or anything like that. Who's he was, that? He was fine. Shea Patterson. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, he, and he was able to 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 manufacture the offense with again someone that wasn't like an outstanding athlete it was just mobile enough, sort yeah. of like Bentley. Yeah, so I mean, they all they all sort of bring a unique skill set. That's why that's just another reason why it's interesting. All right, we won't get to see a whole bunch more of spring practice by the next time we talk, but we will have heard from at least a couple of Gamecocks assistants. So we will have a few more insights, a couple updates on these storylines, and then whether it's next week or the week after, we'll definitely end up doing the uh, the spring practice all stars at some point because I think that'll be fun. So Wes and Chris. Great stuff as always. For me, Pearson Fowler, again, you can catch me on 107.5 The Game weekdays from 12 to 1. If you like it, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends, and we will talk to you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.